0: Hi, everyone. Hello, this is Faye from Faye's World Media. And here with me today, Robbie Samuels. We cannot believe it's been this long that we still haven't actually done this. Like in my mind that we've done this already over and over again, bring conversations to you guys. If you're here, please say hi. And Robbie, before we get started, shall I briefly introduce you?
1: Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me.
0: This is super fun, and uh, I really look forward to this. So, guys, if you're not familiar with Robbie's work, well, that's my guest today. He is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, or what some people would call a multi-hyphenate. I love that. In this case, this means he's a professional speaker, business growth strategy coach, event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast host, author, uh, virtual presentation skills trainer, and I'm very likely to leave something out at this point. He's been recognized as a network Networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc., and as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events, his two books have collectively received over 400 Amazon reviews and reached number one in 11 paid categories. So please join me in welcome all the way from his hometown in Philadelphia suburbs, uh, home, not hometown necessarily. We have to find out where you're from originally. Ravi is a TEDx speaker, an HBR contributor, and a Scrabble champion at least in his home. So welcome, Ravi. So great to, to have you here.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for the warm welcome.
0: Oh, so lovely. By the way, where are you from originally?
1: I grew up on Long Island, New York. So not too far from here, just a few hours away, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I moved to be a little bit closer to home. Oh. oh, excellent, we're already getting some some love.
0: Oh, I love it, I love it. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, Jess Pang. So good to, to see you here. And um, Robbie, I feel like I want to go into so many different angles. And I am just so grateful that we're finally sitting down right here. And for anybody's watching no matter where you are, please, like, ask questions. In the descriptions below, I listed some links for you to connect with Robbie as well. But first, uh, you have spent a, a hell of a few years. When I say hell, I actually think you've done such amazing work, been so successful navigating um, the craziness of like nobody knew what was going on, you know, during the pandemic. How do we pivot as a speaker? All that jazz. Could you Mm. maybe just like chat with us about like where you've been in the past three years?
1: Yeah. So prior to the pandemic, I spent over a decade working to be recognized as a networking expert, which included uh, doing a talk for about 11 years, Art of the Schmooze. Half that time I was employed Uh, And then I left my career to focus full time on being a speaker, Uh, then launched a podcast, thus the fancy mic that I have, and um, a group coaching program and a book on how to network at conferences and then a TEDx on that topic. And so in many ways, in 2020, I was poised to be an overnight success 10 years in the making. I was working on a new talk that I was getting ready to sell to auction uh, to uh, association executives, and you know, I needed anything I had been known for. <laughs> March 2020, you know, eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, body language—that was not what people were looking for support around in that moment. So, I was focusing on how to show up and add value. Mm-hmm. And on March 12th, uh, 2020, I wrote and shared nine ways to network in a pandemic. And then looked at that list that evening and realized I should do one of these and decided I was going to host a virtual happy hour, which is how I ended up hosting my first ever virtual happy hour on March 13th, 2020, which Mm -hmm. is the day the world kind of hit pause. And I hosted that weekly ever since. And that really led to an entirely new business. I soon after created a, a, a certification program for people who wanted to become more competent and competent using Zoom. Uh, companies and organizations, associations, nonprofits started hiring me to bring events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. And eight months later, in November of 2020, I looked up from a whirlwind year because I was also coaching on behalf of a company uh, that was a more than full-time role. And I discovered that I'd built a thriving six-figure company based on all new revenue streams. So I had to let go of the coaching role (laughs) that I was doing. And then last year in 2021, I actually wrote a book my second book, um, Smallest Big Results, to talk about how I did that, how I built um, something from scratch. Uh, but it wasn't from scratch. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And that is my um, toolkit that you can get for free. Um, so yeah, so it was really, you know, a whirlwind. And, and uh, I then moved subsequently to Philadelphia area because suddenly had the means to do so.
0: Wow. So you... Had been wanting to move to Philadelphia, and you're waiting for that moment. And it's crazy. I feel like some parallels here. Not that I always wanted to buy a house, but somehow during the pandemic, I had the means as well to buy a house. So, um, you know, money is a kind of a tricky subject. Sometimes, it still is today. But, but yeah, tell us about like, you know, for for first of all, for me to see that no more bad Zoom meetings. I was so excited for you, and I couldn't believe that you're still running it. I remember every Friday seeing that invite come in 5, 5.30, and I was like, oh, Robbie's probably going to do this for like 10, 12 weeks, helping a, a lot of people, and just kept going. So I actually want to pause and just talk about that for a moment. Yeah. All right. Most of us start these things that last for a few weeks or what, whatever it may I'm, be. I'm
1: really into consistency. I'm, yeah. I I'm really interested in like creating something that I I'm committed to. I put my podcast is about 300 episodes, mm-hmm. you know, over over six years. Like I I sort of pick a thing and I'm really commit to it, and I've gotten better at running Zoom because of all these free sessions that I was running, mm-hmm. and that's what led to me becoming an expert that people would seek out to pay me. Um, so I became a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer, and some of the people that I trained and certified on how to use zoom effectively became zoom producers that I then subcontracted workout to. (laughs) So, which is beautiful that they've created businesses for themselves and they're helping me Mm -hmm. run my business. But those meetings, I mean, initially that that first week people were like thrilled. And it was so Mm -hmm. funny because it was 20 of us. We did the very typical go around and everyone say hello. And everyone was like, this was great, I loved it. And I thought, oh, this format is not, I'm Mm -hmm. never gonna do this format again. And I said, you know, y'all just have such a low bar. You're just happy to be talking to someone you're not in charge of feeding. Like you think your whole social life just (laughs) vanished. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just kept pushing myself to become 5% better every time I hosted or spoke online. Mm -hmm. And that compounded effort is what led me to surpass a lot of folks you know, and just to learn and try things. And so by hosting this, people would ask me questions about Zoom. And in the very beginning, I've shared this before. It's not really a secret, but in the very beginning, it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors because I'd say, oh, go ahead and write all your Zoom questions in chat. And then I'd say, "Okay, I'm going to send you off to a breakout room to do this activity. And they'd be in that activity for 10 minutes and I'd be online looking on YouTube on zoom.us, search for Google, <laughs> pull up all these links, save them in a document and people come mm-hmm. back and I'd be like, oh, so that poll question, it's uh, it's more or less this, but if you want to dig deeper, here's a link. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so true. I do the exact same thing. Um, but I just want to kudos to you first of all, because during that time, there's so many creators, very established ones, all of a sudden talking about Zoom, the whole world is talking about the subject, the software that you know, not enough people paid attention to. And um, here we go. I mean, there's a question from Adam Leffert. You know, Adam, there's so sure. many people right still today during the pandemic uh, going online to connect with potential clients, starting their own business. How did you stand out to launch your new business?
1: Service, uh, show up and add value. You know, I wasn't really focusing on turning a profit immediately on any of the ideas I had. I was listening. Um, I inadvertently was doing research calls uh, which is what I'm teaching people in my second book. It's a lot what I teach my clients for coaching. Um, people were inbound inquir- inquiring how I could help them. And that was leading me to instead of just filling my call, like I could have filled my calendar with social calls, but I turned those calls into, into research calls. That's how I in May 2020 was running a four week pilot that I ran for four months before. Like I just, I, 40 people went in. I had nothing in my website, it wasn't about marketing to people who didn't know me. It was all about leaning into my existing network, which I'm a huge proponent of. And those people already knew, like, and trust me. And mm-hmm. they knew I needed, to, I knew something that they needed help with. Um, so that really helped. And then the who I market myself to also for virtual events tends to be um, associations and, and larger nonprofits. And I'm a mission-driven person. So like, I think people are drawn to working with me because I'm not just a person who pushes buttons, but I'm going to also support their cause and their mission. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I've done that I can point out, like great question, Adam, I also removed myself from the market in a way. So a lot of people early on were becoming Zoom producers. This is a thing we'd never heard about before. Mm -hmm. And my fees steadily increased so that I was not comparing myself to the other people. Um, I am not, if you just want someone to like, push buttons and open up breakout rooms for you without question. I'm not the person because if you tell me that you want a breakout room, three people for 3 minutes, I'm going to walk you through a series of questions to figure out what was your intention, what is your purpose, what is your outcome, mm-hmm. and I'm going to help you redesign. I'm going to do strategy with you. And if you don't want that strategy, then why are you paying me all the money that I'm mm-hmm. charging you? So, I'm not, you know, an Upwork person that's just being asked to like, you know, manage chat i'm mm-hmm. doing a ton of strategy beforehand training speakers you know so that to me that separated me out um and pre-pandemic you know my focus was on teaching people how to network at events and it was about events being content and connection it's the reason people made an effort to get in a you know, car or get on a plane mm-hmm. and meet each other and i just figured virtual events shouldn't be an exception to that so the way we had done virtual pre-pandemic with 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q and A and no one moderating chat, (laughs) you know, like we couldn't keep doing that. And so I just think that my message stood out and now my message, my newest book that I'm working on, my third book is how purpose first design and online facilitation leads to intentional engagement and memorable online experiences. And that it's not enough to just add a breakout room to your agenda and just Mm -hmm. be like check Mark, but it's, it's all the questions of like, what's it for? How many people? What kind of question? You know, what's, what is the outcome? Who's going to go first? All, all these ways we can inspire people to really connect with your content and really, you know, either think differently and do something differently, feel something differently at the end of your session. So mm-hmm. I just feel like we have to up level from what we were in 2020 and keep pushing the, the growth that we can have in an online space.
0: Yeah, so well said. I mean, there's some parallels to our work too. I also accidentally found myself teaching Zoom primarily towards the fitness and the kind of the creative, uh, the creators online. And, you know, and then in the past year or so, I too got hired to facilitate sessions, to moderate for different speakers and and had the uh you know really like a dream to interview steve wozniak most recently mark cuban ariana huffington it's like wow i had no idea zoom could you know talking about zoom could bring me to this point which does then align with um you know a lot of other things i'm interested in but i you know i just think it's so fascinating and i want to kind of just kind of pick your brain in terms of facilitation, because I, I think you really mastered uh, this point. And just the other day before our interview, I was just putting myself in the position of a busy, freaked out event organizer and thinking about, I have now Robbie running around at this live event, comforting everyone. You even talked about uh, before the event starts, like who's greeting them, asking them questions, making them feel comfortable in this very corporate looking Venue, you know, I was just envisioning that, but I kind of want you to speak to it more strategically. On as an event designer, what are some of the events uh, that you have experienced, and what do you actually do at the beginning, like the before, during, and after?
1: So you're referencing um, one of my biggest clients is, or my biggest client is Feeding America. They're the folks mm-hmm. that support food banks around the country in the U.S. About 200 food banks. Um, so they're kind of a federation, or you might think of them like an association of, of organizations. And mm-hmm. they still do a lot of online events. We've been working together since 2020, but they started having some in-person events again. And I pointed out that I had all this experience pre-pandemic that I could bring into the fray and, and make it uh, make an impact. And so one mm-hmm. of the things I did was they have concurrent sessions, whether in-person or online. I meet with all the sessions to help them design their 75 minutes. So for the in-person, I want them to be thinking about engagement in a different way. Mm-hmm. So they're the content experts. But take a moment and think about the five or 10 minutes before your session. There's always going to be people who come in early, and then they were you know, needing to decompress. And, I mean, we take a little bit of a moment out of the, the chaotic, vibrant hallway. And so they duck mm-hmm. in, and they sit as far as they can from each other, and they get on their phones. And that sets the tone for how that room is going to feel. So if you and I, Faye, were in the hallway having a great conversation, as we walk in this room, we're yeah. met with a wall of silence. So we're mm-hmm. like, Ooh. So instead, every session had a greeter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, what's funny is I asked, all, I asked the participants about their experience, and none of them remember the greeter. But mm-hmm. I know there were greeters. So the mm-hmm. greeters aren't standing physically at the door, but there's somebody who was like, oh, hey, come on in. Like mm-hmm. It's so subtle. They had tables, they had rounds of 10, and some of the sessions had tables marked for different topics mm-hmm. or different identities or different regions. So there was an icebreaker either on the screen, on the first slide, or on the table tents. Mm-hmm. And this is all before the session began because if people are choosing this session from all the concurrent ones, These are people who should be given an opportunity to talk to each other. So I had ideas like that. And then I had ideas for like how to open and and get people's attention and, you know, create a knowledge gap that brings people into the conversation, how to design Mm -hmm. panels. What does a fireside chat look like? How do Mm -hmm. you make a presentation engaging in all these different things? And Then how do you even end so that people are talking to each other at the end and hopefully leaving in groups of two or three back Mm -hmm. into the hallway together? Because if you and I, if I don't know very many people, but you do, and I walk out with you, then I'm going to yeah. get invited along to lunch, or I'm going to have someone to stand with during the cocktail hour, right? So it's just, I'm giving sort of ways people can connect. And I, I have this, uh, you're one of my five is this, mm-hmm. um, I don't even call it, I'll call it like a tool uh, that all the sessions we're talking about. And then I also did a one minute video for the plenary. Um, basically note down anyone who says or asks something that catches your attention And then those are the people you're going to want to talk to during breaks, during lunch, during the reception. And then what can you do to be the person who says or asks something that leads Mm -hmm. other people to write down your name? Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have five names written down by the end of the session, you're probably not paying attention. This (laughs) is your opening line. When you see people in the hallway, you can always say, oh, hey, Faye, you were one of my five. And that would be Mm -hmm. the opening to your conversation. So whether it's my first time or my 12th time, it gives everybody a chance to c- connect with each other physically and use that as the opening line. And I was told people were using it. So it was, you know, democratizing what does co-hosting, what does, what does it look like to create an open and welcoming space where mm-hmm. people aren't just invited, but truly are welcomed into the experience.
0: Wow. I love event design. I, I love talking <laughs> about it, listening to it because I'm not sure if you remember how we met, uh, Robbie. We met for the first time during Dory Clark's entrepreneurial. Her launch party?
1: Her book book talk? I thought that was the first time we met. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, Barnes and Noble, Mm -hmm. Heinz Convention Center. And I remember you were filming the event. You're very intentional. You're already organizing that event. I know it wasn't a big one, but you're very, you really stood out. And um, I, I remember. The first thing I read the book years ago, but one of the books that really kind of struck me from from you is that, you know, I just I tell everybody, Robbie is the croissant, not bagels guy. OK, you know, I don't remember the exact croissants title, but...
1: versus bagels. I like it. It's close. I've heard donuts. I've heard. I but uh, yeah, yeah, that's... yep.
0: <laughs> I love it because the idea of, first of all, I love, I love both, but I never thought about croissants in that way of kind of like, you know, opening to a a group of people. So that, oh my goodness. There we go. That really resonated. Doesn't that look good? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's so true.
1: What we're talking about is in person. And, and it's funny, Faye, to hear that this is now a question I'm getting because, mm-hmm. you know, for two years, this wasn't a relevant conversation. So I'm really happy to hear that it's now relevant again. Um, my TEDx talk is on this as well. RobbieSamuels.com forward slash TEDx, mm-hmm. where I actually brought people on stage to demonstrate it. But essentially, when you're at an in-person event and you're trying to figure out how to navigate those those reception moments where everyone's cocktailing and you know, networking. Most people are standing in these tight clusters, these shoulder-to-shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into, and it makes you feel like you don't know where to go, and you're hovering Mm. on the edge. But if one person in that group shifts Mm. their body language to make space, now you've got this croissant.
0: Mm. So
1: both look for those croissants, but also be the croissant. So if you and I are standing and talking to each other, we can stand with both our feet parallel facing Mm. each other, and that's more closed. Or you can do that, but I can shift my lang- body language a little bit, and then Adam can join us. Mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's like remembering your intention of going to this event was to meet people. And in fact, there was a study by the International Association of Exhibitions and Events found that 76% of people surveyed said so that networking was a top driver for why they chose to attend their event. But you and I both know that three quarters of the people going to an in-person event are not leaving thinking, I met all the right people. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like follow through on that intention mm-hmm. is rather low. And so pre-pandemic, that was what I was trying to close the gap on. And now post post, I don't want to say post-pandemic because we're not post-pandemic. But now that the world's opening up again after two year hiatus of live in-person events, I think we're all out of practice. And since some people hadn't quite figured it out beforehand, we need even more thoughtful design. And so what I love now is I'm not doing the logistics. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the culture. I'm thinking about the engagement. And my role on site, so I do all this prep work ahead of time. And then I'm invited on site as the connections concierge. I run a connections lounge, which is sort of a macro networking opportunity. And I'm just there to help direct people, answer questions, make introductions, make connections, make sure people aren't standing off in the corner by themselves. I know enough about events to just be in the right place. And every time I see a staff member, I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Need Mm -hmm. help? What can I do? And I, so I'm solving a problem before it becomes a problem and I love it and I love it. And if you work with the same community over a while, you just get to know people. Um, So that's, I've had a lot of fun doing that uh, in person. And then virtually it's like, we don't want to replicate what we did in person. Mm -hmm. We do want to reimagine what we did in person using all the digital and even some analog tools that are available to us. And so, you know, I'm not trying to do exactly what we did in person and bring it online. I'm trying to understand the outcome and then design the online experience with that in mind. And that will tell us like whether we're going to do polls or breakout rooms, et cetera. And I'm mm-hmm. a real fan of using as many zoom tools as possible and not all the third party mm-hmm. because you can lose some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if people aren't comfortable facilitating on Miro, Mural, et cetera, then they sometimes get lost themselves. Mm-hmm. Um so I I'm, I'm real low key. I'm all about technique over tech. I bought this in December last year and I've never plugged it in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it? Wait a minute. Is that the Elgato thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a stream deck. Yeah. And I, I bought, I didn't even know at the time that there was a six button one available cause I've never I've always seen the 40 and the 14. I don't know. They're huge. And people yeah. would Robbie, what do I do with all these buttons? I'm like, I don't know. Why do you have that? Well, I don't know. My speaker friend told me to get it. I'm like, what are you using it for? I mean, mm-hmm. I had a woman say, I have four monitors, Robbie. What do I use them for? I'm like, do you have four <laughs> monitors? Cause you have space in your desk for four monitors. Like I know some <laughs> people built amazing studios. Mm-hmm. I'm not that person. I got a second monitor in 2021.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, but I built a six figure thriving business running virtual events. Mm-hmm. But I, and I teach speakers how to take what they have and like, you know i already had the mic i already had the light i think there's certain basics you need to figure out and you don't need this microphone and mm-hmm. fancy but i i'm just like how do we just get a little more intentional and i'm really focused on online facilitation i mean you understand this cuz you've got all these amazing tutorial videos you've done but if i hear one more speaker say go ahead go in chat and raise your hand
0: <laughs> you know,
1: like, <laughs> we wonder why there's zoom fatigue or they point yeah. Or they say, oh, up here in the top right corner, and they're pointing to the top left corner. Like, yeah. that's the stuff, that that cognitive dissonance that happens because the speakers don't know mm-hmm. enough about the platform to give clear instructions. I tell my speakers that if mirroring confuses their brain too much,
0: mm-hmm. just
1: use words and stop pointing.
0: Yeah. It is <laughs> pointing, And I, I got to like pause and ask a question because I noticed that you are in the line at your work that you're doing networking, I assume you like it and you get, you know, this level of satisfaction. So I was just wondering, because When I hear the word networking, especially as an immigrant coming from China for the first 10 years, still today, I actually get really overwhelmed when I walk into a huge venue, lots of people. I've never been a fan, frankly. In my 20s, and especially even during the last few years, my uh, few years or last year or two during college, I'm like, no, I got to do this. And I'm always exhausted. I find myself incredibly not strategic. I go into an event. I'm like, what is my purpose and intention? Oh, you know, I even talk to my parents, like talk to as many people as you can. And of course I always end up talking to like one or two people. And so what? how do you, how do people go about thinking about designing their own experiences? How do we, how do they be prepared? There's so many different answers and experts like kind of shouting yeah. at, at us.
1: Well, I think you mentioned some of the, the pieces and a lot of it is about being clear in our intentions, um, particularly for an in-person event, which requires way more effort to go to. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, why why are you going? And I think part of it is, you know, like, for instance, I remember meeting Professionals International MPI. I got it in my head that it would be helpful pre-pandemic uh, for me to connect with them. And so I committed... That I was gonna go frequently enough to become a regular. Mm-hmm. Like I I I could have gone sort of three times over the year, you know, randomly, and I'd always be new. But that that's the strategy that most people take. But I'm always like go in deep. So what I did was I actually connected with a board member beforehand and let them know I was interested in writing through newsletter.
0: Mm.
1: I had content in the newsletter in January, the week before I went to my first event. I found that board member. She introduced me to other board members. I took selfies with all the board members. <laughs> A month later, I post the selfies on Facebook yep. and LinkedIn because I had connected connect with them in the meantime, saying I was looking forward to seeing them. <sighs> I walked in again. And again, I had another newsletter um, post. Right. And so mm-hmm. the thing is, if you go three times with real, real intention, then if you don't go the fourth month, people will still remember you. Like that, you. It's the same effort to go three times in three months versus three times in a year. But if you're really clear about what you're trying to achieve, you can you can have a big impact quickly. And then when you're not in the room, people still refer you. And mm-hmm. so the same thing: the National Speakers Association chapter meetings. I would go to that annual conference in July, the chapter social in August, the September, October, November, December meetings. And then I think maybe I'd go to one if that the other Mm -hmm. half of the year, but I, when I showed up, I, I donated to the auction. I bid in the auction. I caught early. I stayed late to set up. I offered to oversee something or check people in. I, if it was about, I brought things to the potluck, I stayed after to clean up for the potluck. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I, I did the things that made me known in those spaces and, you know, offering value, right? Like in that way people still the other half of the year when I was off doing MPI, (laughs) they remembered me. It wasn't like, you know, where'd Robbie go? And Mm -hmm. I also, if you meet a few people and then now we've got zoom as a, as a, I guess, a modality that we're more comfortable with. I no longer wait to see people in between monthly or annual connections. Like I'm now, I would have, you know, set up a call to catch up with people so that we start to form relationships and friendships outside of the meeting And Mm -hmm. so that's when it really, I think, becomes something more helpful. I just went to my second event for a a local LGBT business chamber in my area. Um, It was a blended event with another chamber. So, I mean, I hadn't met very many people the first month. And then the first time, which had been two months earlier, and then I I went. And so I was like, kind of what you're saying, like, what's my purpose for being here? And I had Mm -hmm. a lot of inane conversations, you know, like, I had one guy who talked to me for 20 minutes. He didn't ask me a single question about myself.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: as my wife pointed out, he left the conversation thinking I was fascinating because people think that you're fascinating if you find them fascinating. So I left a really good impression, but the person knows nothing about me. But I was more almost mm-hmm. observing that moment, like, wow, people still do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But, wh- but what I realized I, just-
1: I wanted to get to know the people mm-hmm. running my chamber. And so at the end, I had a 20-minute conversation with the current president and vice president and offered Mm. to help out with one of their upcoming events like Mm. that was actually that was my goal like if i happen to meet other cool people like that's great but i wanted to make an impression with the people from you know so i don't know i think you have to check your metrics of what's important i'll give you one more thing before i I pass the mic back over (laughs) write a draft of your follow-up email before you go to the event
0: oh love it
1: and that was written up in in uh, ink and in life hacker. I've talked mm-hmm. about that before, but if you just put your brain in and you're like, who would I hope to meet either specifically or generally what are the kind of people I'm hoping to meet? What do I want to talk to them about? What do I want <laughs> them to know about me? And you draft that message. It just will get your brain engaged. And what I want you to notice is you don't have to stay and stack chairs. Like I do. I stack mm-hmm. chairs because I'm an extrovert who doesn't know how to go home. But that's not everybody. And even these days, it's not me. I'm so tired from being around people compared to how I used to be. I'm kind of getting what extroverts and introverts are different. But now I'm like, wow, I kind of appreciate the need to maybe go home. So draft mm-hmm. emails you want to send before you go to the event. Get really clear on, on your purpose on being there. And mm-hmm. if you set aside an hour after the event, like a, within a day or two, to actually send up messages, you're more likely to do that. And that's the, the follow-up is mm-hmm. what makes it – what makes mm. the, the meeting meaningful mm-hmm. not just so collection of business cards
0: absolutely the follow ups is, is key we're constantly trying to find the overlapping themes you know i see that people are much more likely to reply to me if there's a personal intro oh we both know dory clark we belong to the rexer group oh i graduated from a seth going to delta also i'm cohort number eight like people all of a sudden have right. the, the trust you that, that much more. I, I'm so curious. The reason why I want to jump in on that question is because what were you like as a kid? Did you always have these qualities and skills and interests as a kid? Uh, were you,
1: you're taking you- a page out of my interview book. I love it. <laughs> Payback. Yeah. No, I actually, I, um, my my father had a flea market business when, uh, the ages of like eight and a half and 14 and a half, um, I, uh, I got to go to that. And, um, I loved being around people. By the time I was 10, I was being paid to work there. By the time I was 12, I was hustling and, and, you know, making $100 sales and carrying the stuff to the car to get a $2 tip so I can go buy a hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. You know, it was, it was the Christmas, um, mayhem that uh that mm-hmm. they all hands on deck but um i i've always been that but i also can say that um i had an easier connection with adults than i did peers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i have memories of being at camp i went to day camp and um so i didn't sleep away but i went to day camp and at 12 years old i wasn't old enough to be a counselor it'd be 13 to be a counselor in training but i i don't know i again i i I helped out in the office. I helped out in the kitchen. I helped out in the art, the art studio, the art, the art teacher didn't show up. And I ran it for two weeks before they noticed, because I finally said, we need some more supplies. Mm -hmm. That same summer, I went up to a community, uh, to a group of, to a bagel, to a bagel of (laughs) campers. And my adult brain will say they didn't see me, but my child Mm -hmm. brain felt like I wasn't being invited in. Mm -hmm. that i was being excluded and so i have a lot of feelings of like oh i don't i don't know if i belong here i don't know if i fit in now over the next 10 20 years i came out as queer and trans and i don't know whether that was part of some of that but Mm i you know i was an overweight kid like but i do think like i was never shy i was never introverted but did i belong did i fit in and so Mm -hmm. i tend to host as a way of creating a space that I would be welcomed, but I host in a way that includes other people as well. And I've always been a fan of bringing people from all walks of life. So I often had friends in lots of different circles in high school. Um, And I, by then, like I started to find my people. I think that's part of what helped me feel connected and feel like I belong, but Mm -hmm. I love bringing them all together and doing mashup parties and people would connect who ordinarily wouldn't have. And I still, that's sort of my, my fun hobby.
0: What what do you mean by uh, uh, like kind of a, a mashup parties like how, I'm also trying uh, to imagine like uh, rabbit okay rabbit like
1: I'll, I'll I'll use like vernacular here so like the nerds and the jocks mm-hmm. and yeah. the geek and the uh, you know the music like rock the rock band guys and mm-hmm. you know like I had friends in like all these different circles
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I felt like a bit of a chameleon who could sort of fit in all these different places I didn't know if any of them were all of me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find I didn't have a problem with it. I just I had sort of disc- I started defining it in a really um, empowering way that you know instead of being like oh I don't fit in it was more like oh look I f- I can fit in, in all these places. But I wouldn't I would have a party where I would invite people from all these social circles and mm-hmm. create the opportunity for people to get to know each other who so they like not it? normally yeah like mm-hmm. I went to a really big high school where we had a graduating class of thirteen hundred so. Mm-hmm. Wow, so, you know, you could really not know other people if you if you didn't travel in those social circles.
0: So, so interesting. I I wonder if anyone ever felt like they belong. You know, there's always one kid that everybody loves in school. I want to like interview one of those people because I I don't think I think all of us feel at one point, maybe still today, kind of alone, isolated, don't fit in. Like, do you know anybody who actually fits in?
1: Well, you know what's funny about that? I just got off a um get to know you call with someone who yeah. who won the one of the highest honors in um a, at an event that I was at. Mm-hmm. And I she's been part of this group for a very long time. She's always a person whose name I knew. I always like saw her up on stage. Yeah. And we were finally having one-to-one. And she was saying how you know, she's not sure if she fits in. She's been going there for almost 20 years. Like you know, mm-hmm. and how like there are nights where she doesn't get invited to dinner. So she ends up back in her room by herself. And I'm like, mm. you know, like, mm. you know, it's, it's like, and it's the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, and it's not that people are snubbing us, but so because mm. I don't want to wait for the invitation that may or may not come. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple of years before, uh, before a pandemic, we had an event that was in Disney uh, in, in Orlando, and we got tickets to Epcot for the day after the conference. And I spent two days lining up eight people to go me and seven others to go to Epcot with me because I would not want to walk around Epcot by myself. I'm not, that's not something I would enjoy. And they were, when we all met up in the lobby, they didn't know each other. They were so each person was so grateful that I had created this space and they're like, you know, giving me accolades. And I'm like, just to be clear, I'm doing this as self-preservation. Like, this is a coping mechanism. (laughs) I'm really glad you're here. But, like, but it was perfect. We went around together. Mm -hmm. We had eight people for dinner. Like, that, to me, like, I I don't know. I I don't know that people are going to remember to to invite Mm -hmm. me or they're going to assume I already have plans or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to both make the effort. But the other thing I did this last time I went to the National Speakers Association conference is I started a text thread with Mm -hmm. with a community of people. and when people were looking for plans, they just texted and then got invited to like join dinner's last minute and stuff. So I, I love that I was creating a tool that I didn't have to be the one who introduced people or I didn't be the one who like organized a list of people to go to a specific dinner that mm-hmm. they were able to connect with each other. And so I'm all about democratizing this effort as well and giving people the opportunity to be hosts and guests themselves.
0: Mm. I think that I, I love the childhood stories and all these m ms that kind of lead to yeah. you know, how you are today. I, I think the baby Robbie is exactly the same as the grown-up Robbie, which is it's awesome for speaking of consistency. Mm-hmm. And I want to really mention the recent giveaway that you started for a variety of oh, reasons. Yeah. I know, you know, we don't have all day to chat. I think we really can. I feel like I'm missing out on something for like not spending more time together with you is that recently you started this thing and I think I even want to like pull it up real quick. Let's see if I can actually share Uh, my screen right here, Uh, unable to share. Oh, okay. Like I need to um, add a source or something, but I'm going to actually leave a link for people who are checking out. So this thing you started, which is called Your Next Chapter Starter Pack Giveaway between August 8th and August 26th of 2022. So we have about like a little over a week left at this point. At the beginning, I was little, I was like, wow, what, what is this? I didn't quite get it. But the moment that you kicked it off, it was really great. For people who are not like one of the nine experts who are part of this you know, campaign, this giveaway, we're all kind of individually operating on our own. Just imagine us kind of doing our hard work as creative entrepreneurs, as coaches, as speakers. And Robbie, you're the reason you kind of like brought us together and you provided us with uh, different email templates, social media copy for us to consider, and I take it it just makes my rewrite, repurpose much easier, right. uh, and it's very activating. But you know, really, it's been uh, over a week, like ten days or so. I'm looking at my email list; it's growing. Uh, interesting conversations are starting. So I gotta say, I was like, "Whoa! How come I didn't think of this?" So uh, a lot to to break down here. So number one, let's start with why you're starting this. Why are you trying to help people? Who are thinking about starting a business but maybe a little afraid or don't know where to start
1: so the concept is called a giveaway i have participated in three and it's the first one uh that i'm organizing myself and i will say the first of many because i i have full intention to continue doing it i've really enjoyed it um and each contributor each expert has a lead magnet that they um share and they have their own landing page to convert people Uh, into their lists and deliver that lead magnet. What I'm doing is creating a meta landing page that people opt into to get access to each of those resources. And then the people can decide which of those nine um, lead magnets they want to opt into receiving. And I've been on giveaways that had 30 plus people. Uh, I've been on giveaways that were less focused, that were a mix of nonprofit and sales and everything under the sun. And I mm-hmm. wanted what I was doing to be really sort of honed in and focused. And I um, work with entrepreneurial women, um, not exclusively, but primarily uh, who are in their fifties and beyond who are looking to grow their impact and income through some kind of new revenue stream. And I thought about, uh, this is the coaching part of my business. Um, and I thought about what would they need before, during, and after working with me?
0: Mm-hmm. What are the
1: questions they have? And so, the nine experts include people helping you write and publish a book, people who will help you with LinkedIn, with getting on podcasts. Um, you know, it's just all the stuff like for you, it's like, you know, managing YouTube strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend's talking about resilience to keep going with all of this. And so I wanted to give the people who are looking to um, kind of grow their next chapter. So i um, I think pretty much all the people I've worked with have been later in life. Um, again, not exclusively, but they're really committed to, to creating something new based on their expertise. And that's the next chapter. And then the starter pack is that I want people to be selective about which of these resources they download. Because if you have 33 options, which some of these have had, and you choose nine, now mm-hmm. you're on nine new email lists, which basically means you probably ignore all of them.
0: It's too overwhelming.
1: Mm -hmm. You just like, you unsubscribe. So I Mm want it to be nine to 12 experts where you'll select three or four, and then Mm -hmm. you'll actually stay in touch with those three or four. Now, if YouTube wasn't the thing they need to work on right now, Mm -hmm. they don't download your resource, but Mm -hmm. they put it in their head. Robbie knows someone (laughs) who knows YouTube strategy. And then when they need that, they'll say, Robbie, who was the person you knew? And then Mm -hmm. I'd make an introduction. (laughs) So yeah. It's like I want people to to act on the thing that's the next thing they need instead of getting all caught up in shiny objects or noble obstacles that aren't actually revenue directing. they're 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 gonna get in the way of creating good revenue ideas. So um, mm-hmm. that is the reason for doing it. I'm doing it again in the beginning of November. I'm going to run it again um, with a you know with a different cast of experts. And I also want to say I just love the idea of boosting the visibility Mm -hmm. of smart people. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I, you know, made a list of all the things I wanted and then made a list of all the people that could do that. And then I also had a list of people that I thought, oh, this is like, I wasn't sure which of your things I was like, Faye is somebody I'd want to invite to do this. Faye Mm -hmm. will let me know what, (laughs) what's the tool (laughs) that you could support. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, you know, I do follow Friday as a, you know, hashtag follow Friday every week. And I just, Love finding new ways to kind of boost up the people in my network. So this seemed like a great, fun, collaborative uh, way to do it. And I highly Mm -hmm. recommend people steal the idea.
0: Mm. Yeah, I was just actually been thinking about that for a week and a half now. And- (laughs) You know, you mentioned avoid shiny objects, which is a topic inside your book, Small List, um, Big Results. I love that topic. I love the title, the idea, the belief system behind it, because I'm I'm too someone who believe in, and I write about profitable small creators. A lot of yeah. people think that you gotta make money only when you reach half a million, the million subscribers or more. The sometimes the opposite is true. You know, I know people have much smaller lists and you know, uh, smaller followings actually generate multiples of what I do. So what are some of the shiny objects, Robbie, people should really pay attention to so they can avoid them?
1: Well, I think that what happens is people misdiagnose the problem Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of what's getting in their way of growing their business. And when that happens, they then go about implementing a solution or seeking an expert who will sell them a solution that is not the right thing. Mm -hmm. So For instance, if you think the reason you're not getting enough sales is you don't have a big enough list. And by this, I mean email list. And by the way, big is the eye of the beholder. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, like 5,000 for one person is huge (laughs) and for someone else is tiny. But Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you decided, oh, that's the issue. So you decide that you need to boost your emails. So you're going to run Facebook ads. And then you'll find a person who will help you run Facebook ads. Now, that person's not a business strategist, so they don't Mm -hmm. stop to ask you questions about whether this makes sense. Mm -hmm. They just sell you on how to set up Facebook ads. But if you're directing Facebook ads or any kind of ad to a landing page that is not converting because it is the wrong message to the wrong audience, you're wasting money and time. And so mm-hmm. I just think a lot of times when people get excited about building some kind of new solution, new offer, new mm-hmm. product or service, they are doing it sort of in their own head or they're in, you know, they're tinkering in their basement and they mm-hmm. can go away and figure something out. And then when they show up to the marketplace, the marketplace is like, who, who are you? What is this? I, I don't need this. And mm-hmm. we're like, Lord, because we know people need this, but people mm-hmm. don't know they need this because the people have a different understanding of what the problem is. Mm -hmm. We are experts. So we have a bigger vantage point. So we see the bigger problem. We're creating a big solution. The people we're trying to serve, they don't don't see that. They have Mm -hmm. a problem. Some would call it a symptom. Mm -hmm. Like They're very symptom aware. I call that little p problem because I think calling it a symptom is not putting ourselves in the shoes of those people. Mm -hmm. They don't think of it as a symptom. (laughs) they think there is a problem it's just a little problem and so you have to think about how can you offer people this is what lead magnets can really do a great job offer people solution to a little problem but educate them that there is a bigger problem like do not make them think that your 1 hour lunch and learn is going to solve everything yeah but if you can in that conversation whether it's a sales call a get to know you call an email a list what social posts if you can help them understand that bigger, like, oh wow, I didn't realize that was what was going on, they're going to think, wow, well, you're the one who helped define this. You, mm. you have any suggestions? <laughs> mm. And that's where you can bring people along into buying those bigger, um, bigger priced solutions, maybe more time intensive solutions. But we jump that gun and we we skip to that and we spend money. Um, mm-hmm. Another one would be you know recording tons of video content for a um an online course that you've mm-hmm. not sold anyone into.
0: Yeah. Like yeah.
1: how many people think that that's necessary that they have I mean I did this in 2015 I went and bought some sort of learning management system I think it was Thinkific. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have an online course. Why did <laughs> I need to pay for Thinkific? Like Yeah. I you know I scaled back. And then when I, meanwhile, I, when I did my certification program in 2020, I mean, nothing was on my website. I did it all through Google docs and, um, yeah. and, you know, I have fresh books. So I was like, and I was, I was like taking mine through PayPal. I mean, whatever. I just think we, we get ahead of ourselves and mm-hmm. you need just a few things to really launch something. You need a, a, a problem that people mm-hmm. like are wanting to solve the Mm -hmm. people who want to solve it a way to teach them like a way to communicate the information and a way to charge them
0: Mm. yeah it's so yeah yeah please go ahead
1: that's it oh that's
0: it (laughs) conclusion that actually reminds me how brilliant this whole giveaway this collaboration is because not only you know what works for you and your business you're introducing other experts so if you see a trend or recurring questions of wow, like this LinkedIn magnet, you know, magnet is really working this LinkedIn coaching and there's resilience coaching that really works for me. And that will give you as an organizer, an idea of how to, you know, connect with us creators, but something to maybe something to kind of pinpoint and break through in your own business as well. Um, I think it's, it's really fascinating. Like one, I know there were almost a time, but I, uh, can you go over five minutes? Um, I can go
1: over like three minutes. I have a call at 35 after. Um, But I wanted to, I want to mention that there's something I'm doing that I haven't seen other giveaways do. Mm -hmm. And this is my own little twist that I want to encourage other people to do is I've already invited all the contributors to a debrief call Mm -hmm. uh, in September, which is part debrief. Like how did we all do and all learn Mm -hmm. lessons learned and all that. But these are all people that should know each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm That's like, time, yeah. I'm going
1: to create an opportunity for as many people that can be there live as possible yeah. to actually start building either new or deeper relationships with each other. Yeah. Because, you know, and they've all been part of this now for like three weeks. They're so like, oh, I actually yeah. have been talking about your stuff. And so that I think that will help us build those networks. Referrals will be stronger. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited. It's sort of like I'm doing all this to to have that really cool event <laughs> where we can. Yeah. Hang out together.
0: Lovely. I, I actually think it's super lovely to to end on that note, and I I think it's beautiful that uh, you're experimenting so much. And I encourage people to check it out. All the links are in the description below, including how to connect with Robbie. And we shall can you know continue the conversation so. uh, in the near future for sure.
1: Awesome, so, being here.
0: Thank you so much, Robbie. I'm going to take us offline now. Bye, guys. <laughs>